All right, I'll be sharing from Mark 4. Um, so we'll just read that a bit at the start and then um, just develop some points out of that. This is a... I had the privilege about two weeks ago that somebody was um, just talking to me and ministering on this. And I just saw it in a new light. And I felt there are things here for us as well that we can all benefit from. Something Daniel said in the worship... Um, about us changing, you know, as we, we interact with the word and we interact with each other and in worship, it's supposed to bring about change. It shouldn't just comfort us, but should make us more like him. So um, we're going to look at Mark 4 and see what it says there. And I will give some other scriptural references. I wouldn't ask the guys to bring them all up on the screen, but they're going to be in a nutshell tomorrow if you just want to follow up on what we... Um, fellowship on today. All right, so if we go to Mark 4, ah, I'm there. We there? Lovely. All right, so it says, and he began again to teach. I'm reading from the King James Version. Um, And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. And he said unto them, He that had an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 acts of the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and perceive And not perceive, and hearing they may hear, and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will ye know all the parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they that are by the wayside. Where the word is sown, but where they have heard Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in, 
choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Such as hear the word and receive it. And bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have his ear to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that had an ear to hear, for he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken that which he hath. And he said, going up to about verse 30, So is the kingdom of God. And if a man should cast a seed into the ground and should, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed shall spring and grow up, he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the air, after that the full corn in the air. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest is come. We'll stop there. We'll go up to verse 36, but we'll stop there. So, um, we're going to just pull out some points from, from, from um, this script here. Um, best to give some context just before we dive in. So, when I use the word scripture, we're talking about these things that are written here. When I talk about the word of God, I'm not referring to scripture. I'm referring to the life-giving source. All right? Long before men start writing and scribbling scripture, the word of God came. And it said that in John. From the beginning was the word, and the word was in God, and the word was God. So, scripture and word is two different things, but often we use them interchangeably. All right? Um, the purpose of the word is to bring the glory of God to be revealed. All right? So God created man and he said um, in, the, in, in the epistles that um, we are to reveal the mystery that God has hidden in ages. So there is something that God desires to bring to life. And he's bringing that to life through us. All right? Um, and that's a privilege. But it's a humbling position as well. All right? It is not by our effort or by our uh, not transgressing. It is by the Holy Spirit working in us, reveals something of the Father that caused other humans, us, and angels to stand in awe and says, wow, God, I didn't know you were so beautiful. All right? I heard something recently, and it's true. Even Satan, who stood right next to God before he fell, didn't behold the glory of God. All right? Because in Corinthians, it talks about angels talking about what, you know, and, and Psalms, what is man, and how you have poured this glory into earthen vessels. So there's something inside of God that even the angels who have been before we were created, even Satan who stood right next to God as the morning star, did not behold. All right? So it's something really awesome. And we should be excited about that, that God has decided to entrust that in these mortal vessels. And if we walk in obedience, he'll reveal it. All right? So the word is to unveil 
that glory, and that is something that God has purposed, and we are just mere vessels being a reflection of that. Um, and next thing, we didn't just get saved, and I'm sure we all agree with this, we didn't just get saved to escape hell's fire, all right? We got saved to reveal that thing I spoke about, God's glory, all right? So God is desiring, as we give our lives to Christ, declare his lordship, to bring us in by giving us revelation. Daniel spoke about revelation. We're going to come to a place where the scales are removed from our eyes and from God's glory. Yeah, That veil is going to be removed and God is going to reveal himself. So, when we read the scripture and it talks about um, the sower sowing the seed, and I know there are many different takes on are we the seed, are we the sower, are we the soil, I'm going to use the angle of we are the soil in this context. All right? So, we are the soil. All right? So, the scripture has four kind of analogies there. It said, some fell on the wayside. The birds of the air came and took it. It said, some fell among stony ground, and it sprang up immediately with excitement, but it had no root, and it withered. It said, some fell among thorny thorns, and the thorns choked it, and it didn't produce. And it said, some fell on good ground, and it produced. All right, so... Um, when I read that, it, but I get drawn to the script, the past that talks about when he says, I don't want them to see and I don't want them to hear. And I often, when I read that, you know, when I was now coming into learning about God, I felt, but why it is you saying it and you don't want me to get it? You understand where I'm from? Why you, if you want me to repent, if Jesus was given to bring us to, to know your heart, and to reveal your glory, why then you're putting so much obstacles in the way? Isn't that a reasonable question? All right, so let us look behind that and see what is the intent of God. Because as I said, in God, if he's purpose in his heart to do this thing, then he can't want to be an obstacle while he's saying he's bringing us to his light. All right, and that reference, we, I encountered it first, I think, in Isaiah 6. Um, Again, don't turn to it. Let me see if I find something that refers to it. In Isaiah 6, it, it had that thing with seeing and they don't see. I'll give you some scriptural references. So yeah, Isaiah 6.10 has that. So you could just scribble that, but it would be in the notes as well. It's also in Jeremiah 5.21, Ezekiel 12.2. This same story of the sower is also in Matthew 13, 15. So it, it accounts a lot of times where that scripture was referenced. And it, when you read it, you could almost think, well, okay, if it passes over my head, I don't need to understand. All I need is just salvation, and that's God's mystery. That's for somebody else to work out. I am safe and secure. When he comes back, I'll be part of his beloved bride. That's it. But no, the Bible talked about us becoming wineskins and going further. And when I read that scripture in Mark, the thing that first jumps out to me is he said he taught it in, Christ, in his doctrine. All right? I think that is in verse... Is that verse 3 or 4? Could you go back there? Yeah. 
Verse 2? Yeah. So go back to verse 2. Sorry. All right. So this one says, and in his teaching. So, and other verses, it says, in his doctrine. So let's understand this. Jesus never walked around the earth just having casual, flippant conversation. Every word, every declaration had a sense of purpose. All right? So if every word that proceeded from Jesus and everything he partook of was deliberate, then if he says he taught this in his doctrine, then everything that is coming after, normally written and read in some of our scriptures, has a sense of purpose to it. So we can't ignore it. It's not, we don't have the convenience to say, you know what, I'll ignore that and I'll ignore the other. All right? The other thing, why using the angle of the, us being the soil... I want to correct something that we normally see. It said a farmer went about sowing seed. And some fell on the wayside, some fell here. And it makes the farmer look not, not a proper diligent farmer. Either he had a burst sack of seed and he was just scattering it without a sense of um, purpose. And we know God and Jesus, they have a sense of purpose about what they do. All right? So we can't disqualify the farmer in this context. All right? The scripture talks about the God sending the rain both on the just and the unjust. All right? So there's a sense in which God has purpose in himself. And he said it's in the, script, in, the, in the scripture, but also in his word, that no one will have an excuse. In the last days when he comes, everyone would have been exposed to his word. All right? You would not be able to say, it didn't fall on me. And that's the sense of the farmer sowing the seed and it's falling on different ground. Everywhere is covered. Ground that is stony, ground that has thorns, ground that is good, and ground that is on the wayside. It has a hard level. All right? So God has released his word. We are privileged that we have his word, but we also have the scripture to reflect and see the accounts of different individuals' lives. But we know Abel didn't have the scripture. Enoch, at the point he was translated, didn't have the scripture to read. He didn't have this. But he still had the ability to know God because God's word that was released into the earth was available for men to access. And throughout all the ages, from Adam being in the garden, the word of God could always be accessed by men. All right? So there's a subtle difference between the scripture and the word. But he says, And the sower went and he sowed some, and some fell on good ground, and we know the other context. So if the... Soil is my life. Bring up that image. The one with the, the different soils. Probably not, wouldn't use the PowerPoint, but just for this, I think. Jesus. What is very interesting is, if our life is the soil, so that's the wrong bit. Everything in that image could be removed. The birds. We know Abraham chased the birds away when God had asked him to do an offering. The boulders can be removed. You take the boulders out of the soil, the soil becomes good. Do we agree with that? <laughs> you take the thorns and the thistles away from the soil, the soil becomes good. So, if God created us for a purpose, to be a vessel, so that he could put his glory in, and his glory could come burst forth and bear fruit, 30 60, 100 fold, 
The only thing that prevents that soil from being good soil is things that we have put in it. Anybody agree with me there? It is things that we have allowed to come into it. So first of all, the birds come. That's the enemy. And he always comes to grab the word. He did it with Eve in the garden. Did God really say? And how many, how many of us have had the enemy after we had a rich encounter with God brings doubt into our minds? Anybody like me? Often. <laughs> yeah? And as the fowls of the air come in to snatch the deposit of God in your life. And that's why he says you've got to guard your heart. Yeah? You've got to allow your heart to be fallow. You've got to interact with people who will encourage you to make your heart fallow because that allows the seed, when God brings it, to go deep within you. Yeah? Talks about iron sharpening iron. But rocks. It's very interesting how that first script, how the scripture talks about the soil of the rock. It says it springs up quickly. And oftentimes I hear the word over the time that I have, you know, God, the Spirit has come to me. I, I often get excited. And sometimes before you reach the front door, somebody could offend you or something could, could, could assail you. Yeah? But that is not, is that the sower's fault? It's not the farmer's fault. <laughs> and it's not because the earth in this second picture is bad earth. The earth in that second picture is just as good as the one below. <laughs> so it's the presence of boulders and rocks inside of yourself that cause that word not to go deep. All right? So um, I take encouragement from this because if I'm now seeing it in this context, even though it goes on to say in that scripture that lest they see and hear and repent, I don't have to be fearful of that word. Because it goes on to say, even in this scripture, it is given to us, the heirs of salvation, to know these mysteries. All right? In Christ's time, Jesus had to explain it. But he gave us a big promise just before he left. He said he will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will bring us into all truth. So, don't say, I don't have Jesus to explain it to me, so the disciples are better than me. We are better than them or just as equal as them, because we have the Holy Spirit as our inheritance to help bring us into knowledge of what God is intended. All right? So um, that's a key point for us to accept here, or if we could just agree that it resonates, that we are good soil, and we have the ability, if we don't have the presence of those things, to bring forward fruitfulness of God's word. Anybody will agree with me on that? Yeah? So this is not a barrier. I'm not saying this in any way as a condemnation, guys. I'm saying this as this is our promise inside of him. All right? But let us, let us look at some of some scriptures that I want to talk probably today, probably the next time about how we go about keeping that soil clean of thistles and clean of rocks. But let's just develop some more points around this mark for that we make sure we understand it, all right? So, we accept that the seed reveals our heart. It's only when the seed comes, we realize what type of soil we had, whether it was good soil or bad soil. But we can't blame anybody. We've got to look inside of ourselves and to God to get that soil ready. 
It's very interesting. When I was reading this or listening, I, I felt I was hearing this thing, hearken and behold. Hearken and behold. Hear and see. And in many other parables, I went back over them. They always had a hear and see element, which therefore made me look at this word that was in Isaiah 6.10 in a different context. So there's something about hearing and seeing that allows, that is, that is synonymous, that is equal to good soil. Yeah? If I hear and I see properly, then that is probably a process of the word of God getting deep inside of my heart. So my question to God was, God, how do I hear and how do I see? Because you said, take heed how I hear because it will be meted out to me based on the condition of my hearing. So um, let's look at some references to people hearing in, in, in a, what I will call in a, in a real excellent context. Um, this is a scripture I love. I often refer to it. Acts 17.11 talks about those who are more noble. Probably could bring that up, Jacob. Acts 17.11. These are the ones more noble than the Thessalonians. Um, and it's very interesting. When I read that, all right, so now the Bereans were more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed and did also a number of prominent Greek men and women, women and many Greek men. So obviously, I, when I first when I read that again, I quickly went to the Thessalonians to see if they're more noble than the Thessalonians. Were the Thessalonians bad? <laughs> or would, when you read the opening chapters of Thessalonians, how Paul greeted them, he greeted them with a sense of, I've heard of your faith, and I've heard of your love for the brethren. So it's not that they were bad, but here were these people that were in, being referred to as more noble. So... The question I ask myself, God, how do I become more noble? How do I don't settle for any position? Because I really want to be good soil. And I think that is probably something that we all um, could ask God for. And nature, God, that I don't just receive your word with gladness. That could be part of our prayer. I receive it with gladness, but God, give me the ability to follow up on those things that you have released to me. I don't just want them to be in my conversation the day after and the day after. I want them to be permanently part of the structure of my life. And that's what Daniel talked about, revelation, and asking for us to ask for revelation. God caused me not to have knowledge, but caused me to have something that surpassed that. Yeah? And that is the love of God, the love of the Father. Having seen the Father, to have a, a, a connection, a passion, a desire that I could never lose it. If you meet me six months, six years, 60 years after this time, if I live that long, uh, how do I have a connection to the thing that I heard in my spirit whenever I heard it? Whenever God released it to me, I want to be faithful. If you ever come back, that thing must be producing after its kind. And that's, a, I think, a very reasonable prayer and request we can have from God. Um, so, 
In Ephesians 4.17, I'm going to skip over talking about the wayside or talking about the, the thorns and thistles. It's very interesting that it talks about don't walk in the way the Gentiles walk. And he talked about the, in the vanity of their minds. So that took me to that, back to that reference, the third pity reference, where they were talking about the thorns and the thistles coming up in their mind. And somebody came to pray this morning, was it, I think, Neil, when he was encouraging us about whether it be, you use some examples, the borders, yeah? And it's very interesting. You, 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 you said it, you know, you said it, that God will um, remove those borders. And in, in many ways, I think the borders probably still exist, but they no longer form a restriction for us. Yeah? And often in life, in fact, both in, in Christian circles or even outside in the world, I am judged, I may be judged as an excellent man, the extent to which I have savings or I have an education or my job or um, my health or, you know, my diet. You know, there's a lot of things that Satan consumes us with, yeah? These young people probably not preoccupied with pensions. You probably not. But I'm sure you could probably start saving from now. You're probably preoccupied with getting good GCSEs or getting a good university place. Yeah, so there are different stages of life that this life, this world, if you just lock yourself into it, it says this is the agenda. This is the thing that is important. All right? Which is quite different to Christ. You know, we know Christ at the young age, he was saying he wanted to be about his father's business. And we, he wasn't talking about carpentry. We all agree on that? <laughs> he was not talking about Joseph Carpentry. He was talking about being about expressing, talking about the things that cause a delight inside of him, and that is the things of the Father. So, um, what I want to encourage us is that there is, I'm not saying don't go to a job, don't have an education, young people, don't study hard for your GSEs, GSEs, GCSEs, AS levels. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, there is something more that should be your all-consuming passion. And for all of us, for all of us who hit in 40, 50, there is something more important than, do I have enough in my pension pot? <laughs> yeah? If that is the thing that is consuming us, then the agenda of our lives is being dictated by the borders Neil was encouraging us to go beyond. Okay? Um, and as we saw in the, in, in the examples in that Matthew scripture, it says... They, could we go to the one where it says the thorns and the thistles and the cares of this life? It's that verse. Got that up. I think it's about verse 18, Alright So it says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But when the worries of this life, 
and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, it makes it unfruitful. And I have seen that thing applied in my life many times, where I think by this age, I need to have accomplished this. Or by this age, I need to be given to this. And I have no learning, again, how inside of God that I could still be diligent with the natural resources that God has given me, but I am more diligent and fruitful in the revelation that the Spirit reveals to me. All right? The two things are coming at the same time. All right? There's revelation from God, but there is also natural spheres of responsibility, be it in a family, in a church community, in my neighborhood, uh, in the job, wherever it may be. There are natural responsibilities that I have, but there is an internal responsibility of hearing the word of God and being faithful to it. That is a thing that I will be judged for. Yeah? God would not judge me on how much money I set aside for my pension. But that's not the conversation I think I'll be having with him in glory. <laughs> yeah? He wouldn't be talking to me. How many GCSEs you got? You know I'm on one hands. You had 24 hours in every day. I expected this amount of A-levels. That's not the conversation I think the father will be having with me. He'll be having conversation about the deposits of God, the people he has exposed to me to, to fellowship with, to know more of his nature, and the extent to which that has been fully formed and fully reflected in my life. Okay? So um, we want to be connected and preoccupied with that internal thing of, doing, of, of becoming good soil. Um, in the scripture we read earlier in Acts 17, it talked about the Bereans fellowshipping with the scripture. Um, that took me back to um, the scripture in Mark 7. Mark 7, 26 talks about a Greek woman. Because remember that Berean scripture talked about the Greek. And Mark... Yeah. This is very interesting. It says, the woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She, <laughs> she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And this is a very interesting comment. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs... Under the table, eat the children crumbs. There's a next reference to that in Matthew 15, 22 to 28. And if you read that with a, a sense of, with your heart not properly constructed, you could get offended and say, Jesus, he's too aloof, he's too rough, he's too whatever the case is. But I find it very interesting. That is that same thing in Isaiah 6, 10, and I spoke about in Ezekiel. Lest they have an ear to hear and stuff. It's very interesting that that lady, like the centurion, understood that if I only have a crumb of this word that is coming from God, it could even translate my life. Yeah? We see that point? She's like Rahab. She's saying, you know what? I know I'm a prostitute. <laughs> I know I'm in Jericho. But you know what? There's something about that God that is really the true God. She's like the woman at the well. 
yeah, who says, you know what? This man reveals to me all that I have done. But there is something about what he's saying. I want everybody in my family village to come and hear of this. All right? And that should be the position of our heart. And that's why I talked about the, the, the word of God falling both on the just and on the unjust. The issue is when the word of God comes, if you are not keen and zealous to remove stone and boulders and thorns and thistles to give it space, it would not be able to produce. You understand? So the word of God reveals the condition of your soil, the extent to which you want to hold on to things and pack the word of God just in your back pocket, or to which you, as it said in, in um, the scripture read in Ephesians or Galatians, not walking as the Galatians walk, but putting everything aside and allowing everything to become subservient to the word of God, because that is the thing that gives you comfort, foundation to stand in the time of adversity. Now, Christ went through adversity. We agree with that? He was in a ship when storms came. He was in the synagogue when they took him out to push him over the brow of the hill. You understand? He was there when everybody denied him. So he, 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 he don't believe that he enjoyed a nice life because he had all this knowledge and revelation from God. Everybody accepted him. We knew in Garden Gethsemane, everyone ran and left him. Yeah? <laughs> People who were swearing last night, we wouldn't, ran and left him. So this thing I'm talking to you about today, in terms of being good soil and receiving the word of God with gladness and taking boulders out of your life when it comes forth to make sure it finds root, it is not an assurance that adversity wouldn't come. Yeah? It is not an assurance that the doctor may not tell you you have high blood pressure or heart murmur. It is not assurance that your knee may not hurt you next week. It is not assurance that you will get into the university you want to. It is not that. What it assures you of is it gives you a foundation inside of your soul, a blessed hope, something that you could stand on and be assured that though I perish, I will live. Yeah? For some of us, like Elijah... Or Enoch, you'll be translated and you wouldn't suffer death or adversity, you know. But for some of us, we might be like Stephen, we may be stoned. Like John, we may be boiled on the Isle of Patmos, you know. We may go through hardship. But the thing the word of God comes to give you is a security in terms of your faith. That whatever seasons pass around you, if you continue to remove boulders and the cares of life, that that word of God will always be a living testimony. And who wants that? Yeah, I want that. That's what I'm enlisted in this thing for. I understand there's some hardship. There's some things that wouldn't go the way me or other people who love me like to go. But I'm assured of one thing. That in any situation, I'll be fruitful. I'll always be able to give God praise and see his will being out work in my life. And that's the thing I want to commit to. So, um, some scriptures just to help um, when you're reflecting. And this is Galatians 5.13 and Romans 13.14. Those talks about that thing I'm just talking about with not being like the Galatians or the, 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 the heathen in terms of being consumed with life. 
And there is a there is a position of our heart that we must have, which is not finding expression in the earthly. Not finding expression in this life. It's very interesting. When Christ was starting to walk in his ministry, a lot of people said, hey, we, what he's saying sound a bit interesting, but isn't that Joseph's son? Remember that scripture? There's a sense to which we like to know each other or others by things in this room. You know, isn't he that guy that come from the Caribbean? Isn't he, but isn't he just an accountant? Why is he wanted to, that's Daniel, he always calls me an accountant, so I haven't done an accountant for long. You know, there's a desire to know each other. Isn't that Ben and Owen? I used to take care of them in children's ministry. Why are they talking with such authority in terms of bringing the word of God or, or trying to expound on issues of faith where I am the one who taught them that 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, there's a sense in which we could always marginalize. I think there's a, a thing I heard when I just came here. I don't hear it much. The 10-foot hat pin. Yeah. <laughs> Where we always bring you back down to size. Don't be too confident in this revelation of what God has revealed. Know your place, you know. Have a sense of uh, manage expectations. But I think we are called not to know each other according to the flesh. And if I ever be found guilty of doing that with any of you, Remind me of this that I'm saying, yeah? I want to know you according to the spirit. I want to know you according to the things that God has said over your life. That you are more than an overcomer, more than a victor, and with the word of God that you could always be fruitful. So I'm interested more, not just in what you are celebrating at any one point in time, or what you are grieving on that may have faced you in any one point in time. I should be looking beyond when I ask you how you're going, if that conversation doesn't go beyond your last nice occasion in life or disappointing occasion and goes towards talking about what is God doing inside of you, then I'm robbing you of being an iron sharpening iron. I'm just simply having a, 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 a natural conversation and that's all where it stays. I'm not saying we can't have conversations and inquire into what is happening yesterday, day before. But the purpose why I'm enlisted in this life with you is different from a social club or different from just anything else outside. It is to bring the glory of Christ inside of my life through the deposits from you and vice versa. Yeah? So our conversation is supposed to lead to something more, raising souls. Um, um, when I was reflecting on this as well, I was, I was thinking about the evolutionary stage of butterflies. All right? And it's interesting that we call it the evolutionary stage of butterflies, not the evolutionary stage of pupas or larva or caterpillars. All of those are transient stages towards butterflies. Yeah? And it's very interesting that... Um, when you see a caterpillar die, well not die, but come to the end of that phase of life, you don't mourn. No? Because you know what's going to happen next. Yeah? But if you go talk to that caterpillar, if we could have, and say, forget those many legs and those nice colors and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, something more beautiful is to come. 
he wouldn't believe you, you know, and we have seasons in the Caribbean where I grew up where there's caterpillars all over every tree, you know, and they're very beautiful. They're normally black with nice yellow spots and they have their many legs and we collect them as boys, throw them back down the girls' skirts. No, skirts, shirts, shirts. <laughs> you saw that, Freud and slip. Shirts in school. And we used to have a lot of fun doing that to each other. Yeah, um, but caterpillars, the point is they're, they're very beautiful and you can absolutely be absorbed when you see they're all dying off or going off and forming this nonsense on the tree. You can kind of grieve, you know, as the season has come to an end because they're really a lot in a certain season um, in the Caribbean. But when the butterflies come, you're more joyous, yeah, and you form nets and you catch them and stuff. And so is, as it, in, in this life, they're... There are seasons of this life where you have to die to self, where you have to move from one stage of understanding to the next, where you have to dig a boulder out of your life and remove it, where you have to dig deep and prepare the soil because you don't want the seeds of tears and thistles inside of your life. Now, they were once yours, yeah? So they become your possessions. And to take them out sometimes is very painful. But if you don't, it's the thing that will cause the word not to be fruitful and the thing that causes you to have one thing, offense. That is the boulders. If you don't adjust your desire, young people, even from now, to say, you know what? I will be known by the fruitfulness of the word of God in my life, not a four-bedroom house or the type of car or that I will rise to whatever. If that is not the thing that defines my passion and all-consuming desire, if that is not the thing that I'm working towards, but I'm working towards not even being part of a core team, yeah? Not running worship or running the PADS. But the thing that I'm pursuing is that as my years advance in life, the good soil that God will define me by and others will come to know me by is the lack of boulders and thorns and thistles inside of my soil and by the seed of God that becomes fruitful and produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. And it's very interesting that scripture just where I ended. It said the farmer came and he put a sickle to it soon after it sprouted up. You know, he said, he said somebody went and sleep and he, he didn't know how it grew, but then he came back and he put a sickle to it. And I read that a few times and it's only, I think, last week when I was reading it, I said, but that's true. If you don't put a sickle to that, you don't get seed to sow again. So, there is an expectation, and I'm picking on the young people again. There's an expectation now, but possibly also in 20 years, that the fruit of what God is doing with you now becomes the expression and the seed that is going to pour into lives, other souls, in 20 years. And the extent to which you are faithful now is the extent to which God could harvest this thing he's poured into you to pour into somebody else. Yeah? And I, I say this with absolute modesty. Also, what God was shaping inside of me 20 years ago in the Caribbean 
if I just looked at a Caribbean context, I, I didn't know your faces, I didn't know your persons, I had, you know, no desire, but God is causing me to be a joint blessing to you and you to me. No, yeah? But it's the extent to which I was faithful that God was able to build on that and build again and build again. All right? So, if there's one thing I want to leave you with is we have a responsibility to be good soil. The word of God, which falls on the just and the unjust, only reveals the nature of the soil inside of us. Yeah? And it's things that you have been carrying. Yeah? But he didn't just say, you know what, I'll judge you in a future context and find you unfaithful. He says, I'll send the Holy Spirit to be a witness. I'll set the solitary in families. And he has given every opportunity for you to go through the painful process or joyous, based on how you look at it, to take and remove boulders and the things that cause the word of God not to be unfruitful. And I have an absolute confidence if we yield ourselves to these things, then in seasons to come, we will see that we are those who will always be fruitful. All right? So, I'm going to just pray with us, and, and, and it's something that I think we want to commit to. There is something, and probably we'll have opportunity just to develop this some more, all right, but in the future. But let's just pray on this and stop here. Um, Father God, I thank you that you haven't abandoned us, that you haven't left us without an assurance that we can be as you have defined in the book. Father, I thank you, O God, that this faith that you have released into the earth, you have given us the ability to walk in obedience to it. Father God, for your spirit bears witness. Father God, I thank you for showing us, O God, the Bereans, O God, those who were noble, who studied the scriptures, who allowed the scriptures, O God, to, to give greater understanding of the word. I thank you for the parables of Christ, that they are not just mysteries and things that are just vague and opaque, that buried within them, O God, we could see your word. Father, I thank you that your word is life. I thank you that it brings us into truth. Father, I thank you that truth allows me, O God, to become your glory and your praise in the earth. Father, I thank you that in this season, in this company of people, that we can rejoice, O Lord God, for we have a boast inside of you. Father God, I pray, O God, as seasons pass upon us, that you will always find us faithful, that we'll have the capacity and the ability, O God, not just to be a, a, a praise among the, the 300 of how many of us inside of this room. But as you continue in causing us to go back to our, our homes, our, our jobs, our school, oh God, that you will cause this glory, this seed that you have planted inside of us to be harvested and to bear fruit and produce after its kind. Father God, we say that this word will be swiftly formed because we commend, commit ourselves we commit ourselves this day to be faithful to those things that you have revealed. Father God, I thank you personally that you're not limited to a Caribbean accent. You're not limited, oh God, to my experiences. You're not limited, oh God, to Mark 4 and Matthew 13. Father God, that your spirit is the thing that brings, that anointing is the thing that brings revelation and brings you to be revealed. Father God, and like Peter, we shall be able, oh God, to see you as you truly are. 
And I thank you, God, that we will forever be changed as we behold your glory. And there will be no occasion for going back to our former passions, our former desires. For you, O oh God, are establishing us in your truth. Thank you, God. Bless your holy name.